Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Suffering with Spurs podcast with me, Sean Torgerman, recording this on Thursday, the 28th of December, just after the end of the 4-2 defeat away to Brighton. Um, first one I've done in a little while, had Christmas off. Um, so it's been a few games since then, but going into this one, we were fifth in the table, looking to go back into the top four, knowing that a three-goal win could have taken us into third even, but um, that didn't happen. And I feel like this is one of those games that we sort of knew was going to come at some point where we do get, well, what looked like it was going to be a battering, ended up, the scoreline ended up looking a little bit nicer for us, but... Yeah, we definitely we definitely could have been battered, even though we weren't in the end in the scoreline. We lost by two goals and two of Brighton goals. Brighton's goals, of course, were penalties. But um, there's no doubt that in that first half, they could very easily, without exaggeration, have been six, six or seven up. I mean, we're talking about hit. They hit the post twice. They obviously scored the two goals that they did score, and Vicario made at least three unbelievable saves so I mean yeah it could quite easily have been incredibly embarrassing to the levels of the Newcastle away game last season where we were 5-0 down at half time so to go in at 2-0 was kind to us to be fair it doesn't mean that we'd we did create a few chances ourselves we did get into more into decent positions we at half time the stats said that we'd had more touches in their box than they'd had in ours but there was a very marked difference in that first half and that was very much that Brighton, whenever they got the opportunity to shoot, they shot. They were looking to create chances in any way that they could and we seemed like we were trying to score the perfect goal. There were too many too many moments in that first half where we got into decent areas and instead of looking for a way to shoot, we were looking for someone who wasn't there very often or very often wasn't in a good position. And yeah, like I said, we we're trying to score the perfect goal. It's something I say quite a lot. Arsenal used to get accused of it for the last sort of decade under Wenger really. Before he left, they used to get it used to get said a lot. They play beautiful football, and they did play beautiful football back then. But they they used to always want to try and score the perfect goal. They never wanted to take a shot from distance. They always almost wanted to pass it into the net. And you could definitely say that about the way that we played in that first half. Because for the first five or ten minutes, we looked very much on top. We looked like we, this was going to be one of those games. But we do we tend to start every game like that, and it's just about whether we can carry it through um, and we didn't and I, I mean the game was always going to be one of those where it was going to be end to end and it was going to be both teams giving up a lot of chances to each other because that's just what they do the they the sort of high risk high reward football that both of the clubs play that is their philosophy and their way of playing means that you are going to give up opportunities and we've kind of come to accept that I suppose like after sort of three or four years of very pragmatic football where the idea was to try and prevent the other team from playing as often, as much as you could. We're now a team that concentrates pretty much entirely on what we're going to do with the ball, accepting that it means that we're going to be giving up chances to the opposition and a team like Brighton. And to be honest, they impressed me unbelievably today because when I saw their lineup, it didn't scare me really. I knew that they had a lot of really good players out 
Um, Stupinian was one of those who obviously came on and scored a belter. I didn't realise he'd be coming on because he'd been injured for a while. Uh, but not them not having Matoma, Ferguson not starting the game. Um, and CISO's been out for quite a while. Um, yeah, a lot a lot of very integral players to the, to the Brighton team not starting. And then seeing a midfield, which was basically Milner and um, Billy Gilmore, that didn't strike me with fear. Maybe that was naive, arrogant from me in, in one way, because Milner, for a bloke who's nearly 38, had unbelievable energy and he he really showed Saar up. I'd say that Saar was probably, I'd say, yeah, it was probably his most ineffective game for us this season. But yeah, when I saw that Brighton line up, I, it didn't put any fear through me. I looked at it and thought, I think we've got a good chance here. But they really did uh, dominate. And I think it's a really good example of a team that's been playing the way that they've been playing, even under Graham Potter for a very long time now. those These players are used to playing in a system that means that they keep the ball on the deck most of the time, unless they see an opportunity to get in behind, uh, which they did use quite a lot. Um, but they're very used to this sort of quick pass and move football. And they've been with their manager longer than we've been with ours. Um, and I think that showed very much tonight, because I think the way Brighton played tonight... And they did pretty much play like that for the entire game up until the last sort of 10 or 15 minutes where we really got a hold of it. We haven't, I wouldn't say, even though we've been great at times this season, I wouldn't say we've managed a full 90 minutes where we've played our football the whole way through it. We haven't managed to find the way to do that constantly for the whole game, the way that um, I saw Brighton do today. So they're a great example of, of how we want to play. We're obviously above them in the league and um, we've, I would say we've definitely got better players than them and we're, we're much earlier on in our process to becoming the team we want to be. So it's not even a criticism, but it was it was interesting to watch them tonight because they, they really, every single player in that team from defence to attack is fully um, integrated into the way that Brighton play football. Um, and there's still players in our team who are, who aren't perfectly either made for the system or or just look uncomfortable in it. And I'd say that obviously, and there's obvious ones to that. Let's be honest. Again, we've unfortunately because of Romero's injury, we've had to go back to a place we didn't we hoped we wouldn't have to go back to, which is playing four fullbacks in our back four. Um, ben Davis has obviously been playing as a centre back for a while now. Emerson um, did it, for, of course, for a while as well. While well, we had Romero out um, and he came back, but he looked he looked dodgy today. He didn't give the ball away a load of times. He did give the ball away, but it was more just his defensive position. He just looks so vulnerable when teams are attacking him. You just feel like he's constantly out of position. Um, and, he, and he makes Ben Davis worse as well because Ben Davis has to sort of cover for him on so many occasions, which is obviously really annoying. Ben Davis is a better defender when Romero's playing, of course, for obvious reasons. Um, so, yeah, we looked very susceptible to their attack. Every time they went forward, it looked like there was a good chance they were going to score. And that's what that first half was. It was it was scary, let's put it that way. And without the unbelievable Vicario, I mean, it's not just Spurs fans sort of eulogising 
about Vicario saying how brilliant they think he is. It, it's coming from all over the league now. Everyone's sort of acknowledged, I think, that he's probably been the best performing goalkeeper in the league. And he's kept us in it. I mean, he conceded four goals today, but we could like by by the end of the game, we could have conceded nine. And uh his brilliant goalkeeping is the only thing that kept us in it. And that is what sort of gave you hope going into that second half. Um in that first half Attacking wise, it was it was really frustrating because yes, of course, Brighton uh, created loads of chances, but we also were in positions to create great chances ourselves, which we just didn't take. The most frustrating player for me was Brennan Johnson, who is is raw. He's the epitome of raw talent, isn't he? Because he's got un- incredible pace, which we see more and more now every game he plays. But his decision making is just so poor so often. Um, and he got himself into such good positions tonight on more than one occasion. And just a quick look up, especially when he got played over. The one specific moment I'm thinking of is when he got played through by another one of those lovely lofted balls by Pedro Porro. He was through. He came back on himself. And even once he came back on himself, if he just got his head up and looked to his left. He had Richardson and Son both on side for an open goal, pretty much to put away and he didn't. And that was just a moment where we really, a goal then would have changed the complexion of the game completely. Um, Richarlison, obviously at the end of that first half, had a shot that he took really well, that hit the post. He may have been better off laying it off to Son, who had more of an opportunity, but we definitely had our chances in that first half. And then you thought, look, second half, um, I mean, the, the one thing to mention, it's the first time we've actually gone behind in a game. Uh, well, the first time we haven't scored the first goal in the game for 11 games. So it was a um, first time since the Arsenal away game that we haven't scored the first goal. So that was a new experience. They've definitely been used to scoring the first goal and that didn't happen. So second half, you thought um, we're going to go into this and try and sort of stamp our authority on it for the first five minutes. That didn't really happened and then the first of Richarlison's offside goals which he took really really well but he was clearly offside um, and it's a I don't know when it starts to become a problem because I do feel like we score we do score too many offside goals so we do have too many goals where we're in good positions where we we're sort of unnecessarily offside um it just doesn't seem it doesn't seem necessary to be offside in those positions we're just a little bit more concentration and composure in the right moment and and we would have we would have had a hell of a lot more goals this season i'm thinking about obviously sunny had quite a few the other week richarlison's obviously got and had two today and he got brought off straight after his um his second one which i found quite strange because i mean it did mean that he was getting himself into good positions um and that he was also finishing when he got into the position so i was a little bit surprised but he, he made the decision to take him off and to put Sonny um, up front. I don't think Sonny was particularly effective up front. Um, I, don't, I don't think Sonny was particularly effective in the game in general, to be honest. Um, but yeah, that second half, it started. It's, we started to look like we were going to come back into it. We definitely started to look like something was going to happen in our favour. Um, but the more chances you miss and the more opportunities that go begging, you start to think, well, this just isn't going to be our day. And then very shortly, I think from the next attack after that, um, Richarlison offside goal, uh, just as Lo Celso 
was due to come on. Uh, there was the unbelievable shot from Estupinian, who'd literally just come on himself. It was an unbelievable shot. There's very little, you, you can't really say much. You can say he should have been closed down, but in the in that situation, he's not in a position you even expect anyone to shoot from. It was a rocket. Vicario couldn't do anything about it. And there we go, 3 0. Um, and obviously, Solar Celso came on. Valise came on, and I was very curious to see because Valise hasn't really been given a chance yet. He's been coming on for sort of five minute cameos. So that, that was definitely the earliest he's come on in a game this season. Um, before he got an opportunity to, he went 4 0 down, second penalty given away. Clumsy from Lacelso, but I think Lacelso was pretty good once he came on. Definitely made a bit of a difference. Um, looked like I think he sort of made a case that maybe he should have started the game. I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I think that Lacelso is someone who is capable of playing in a midfield too without having to be the attacking one. And I think, although, look, I don't think he was ever going to leave out Saar because Saar's been playing well and it was a choice, I guess, for him. I guess Skip injured so it was a choice between Hoiberg and Assel so he chose the pragmatic approach I'd say I suppose you'd say that um and Hoiberg was actually probably one of our better players on the day I think he really did play really well today so you can't you can't really say Lacelso should have played instead of Hoiberg but I feel like I feel like Lacelso and Lacelso almost definitely you'd imagine will start the game against uh Bournemouth because Kulisevsky suspended but yeah, I think he made a big, big difference when he came on. But anyway, 4-0 down. It was a shit feeling. Um, and we didn't... It's not what you want to be 4-0 down. But compared to other times we've been 4-0 down in my life, I I'm very, I think very much like everyone else here, we're all very accepting of the fact that, number one, we've got a shitload of injuries. And not just injuries. Players who would be guaranteed starters in this team. Like, there's a the strong case to say that None of that midfield would have started today. Maybe Saar, um, Kulisevsky probably would go out to the right. We'd probably, in, a, in a, our best possible start in 11, you'd probably have Basuma, Benton Cora, Madison starting the game. You'd have, you wouldn't have either of the centre backs there. Obviously, you've had Romero, you'd have Romero and Van der Ven. Um, so big, big players missing. And to be, you always, like I said at the beginning, you you knew something like this was coming. This isn't going to go without a hitch. This this Ange process, you're going to get battered in some places. And I think a lot of people, sort of pundits and football fans, have predicted that this Spurs team will get a couple of drubbings along the way, especially at the beginning of the process, because and especially with so many important players missing, because simply because Ange refuses to compromise, as I'm very happy about, refuses to compromise on the way that he's going to play. He's not going to change the philosophy and put everyone behind the ball because we're missing some players. He's been training them to play a certain system, a certain way, and that is the way he's going to make them play by hook or by crook. So at 4 0, like any football fan, you feel shit about it. But the reaction, I think, was absolutely amazing to the point that it turned a game that we were losing 4-0 with 10 minutes to go in to actually a, a really exciting end in which we could re realistically, and this is not even an exaggeration, we could easily have got a point out of that game. Hoiberg hits the post, um, a bit of better decision-making, Kulisevsky a couple of times. I mean, towards the end, he, he definitely was frustrating because he definitely could have 
shot at one occasion and chose to sort of float it in instead. And then when he did shoot, he miles over the bar. Um, goal line clearance, well, not even goal line clearances, but blocks from Brighton, like the ball falling to someone in the right place. It really, really could have ended up being miraculous comeback. But the fact that we didn't give up, we didn't put our heads down. I've seen plenty, plenty of Spurs teams in recent years, especially, especially under Conte, you think back to even games like Arsenal where we were just losing 2-0, where Emerson Royal got sent off uh, a few seasons back and he put he put all the defenders on the pitch with no intention to go forward. Um, and that's one side of it. And also just games where we've been losing, you can just see that the players have given up, that they're not going to try and go for it. That I mean, I've felt that in games, you feel about, think about the AC Milan game at home last season where we were only one goal down and it felt like they weren't trying to attack. So that's why we're all on board with this because they aren't going to stop playing, even though it's obviously humiliating to be getting done 4-0 away to Brighton, a team that you sort of, that they're that Spurs are being compared to in terms of a style of play and great to watch and all that. You don't want to come out on the on the end of that 4-0 down. Um, but after Valise getting his goal, which obviously I think everyone's so happy about, and even though it was what seemed like a just a consolation at the time for for him, you could tell it was a massive moment because I'm sure it's been very frustrating for him sort of coming over from Argentina and basically spending all his time on the bench, um, doesn't speak the language. He's obviously got the Argentinian contingent in there with him, but I'm sure that was a massive moment for him. And you've got to be really, really happy for him because uh, you could see how much it meant to him. And I've seen other players score sort of their first goals for the for their club in recent days. And they don't, it doesn't seem to bother them at all. They try and sort of pass it off and do some weird, arrogant celebration. He could not control his happiness from doing that. So, and he did it. And then there came Ben Davis with another ball, with another goal. And then at that point, if you include injury time, there's actually 14 minutes left to go and get a third and a fourth. And I feel like, and it's like one of them, I feel like if we did get that third, then we would have got the fourth. That's just what tends to happen. But it didn't happen. Hoiberg hit the post, obviously. Then Porro came in. He's got such good technique. It's amazing he hasn't scored yet this, this season, Porro. Um, but that got blocked on the line. And then it just it just didn't happen for us. But like I said, we came to a we we came to a point in the eightieth minute where we were four 0 down, and it it could even have got worse and become really humiliating. And in the end, you go out with your heads held heads held high, and remembering again, it's not a side note; it's a the real truth that look at the team we played there today with, and Brighton played brilliant football. And like I said, I was so impressed by the way they played. They played it round us brilliantly. And we're playing Emerson Royale and Ben Davis at centre-back. And I'll, I won't say a bad word about Ben Davis, but he's not your first-choice centre-back. He is limited. As much in his sort of distribution, as much as anything, when you compare sort of who would be playing there, Van der Ven to him, in terms of just the Rolls-Royce nature of Van der Ven and the way he drives out of defence and has this sort of brilliant Dutch technique, ability to pick out a pass, to fizz it into someone. And then Ben Davis, they just don't have the same attributes. Emerson Royale is someone who you have to admire because he is so incredibly limited in his footballing ability, but he manages to carry himself as a Premier League player. Like He's not great. We all know that. We know the song, can't defend, can't attack. Emerson Royale is our fullback, but at the moment he's our centre-back. And he's... 
Obviously, the alternative tonight would have been Eric Dyer. I don't know. I think I think the way that we played and the high line we were playing and the amount of times that Brighton did manage to break through it, I think playing Eric Dyer would have been a mistake because not only is he a lot slower than Emerson Royale, he's also not he's not good on the turn. It it, it would have been more of a disaster. He's a bet. He's a there's a, he's a better backs to the wall centre back than than Emerson Royale. There's no doubt about that. He's much bigger. He's got much more stature. He's much better from quarters and stuff like that. Eric Dyer's not a terrible player, but the reason he's getting so little game time at the moment, and the reason that Emerson Royale's being picked ahead of him is simply because of his pace and his lack of mobility and the, the fact that our game is sitting on the halfway line and he's just not built to play in that sort of system. Um, so, yeah, it's obviously nothing against him. But, yeah, the last 15 minutes were made a lot more interesting than they might have been heart in the mouth moment when you think that you're going to get the third goal you start to think oh my god this draw is going to if we get a 4-4 here it'll be one of the best moments ever as a Spurs fan um but it didn't happen um so as we said there's a lot to t- there are, as I said there's a lot a lot of things a lot of positives to take from the game Brighton deserved to win we have to be honest about that they're better at playing that type of football I did carry on thinking throughout the game like how great is it going to be when we have got if this ever happens, a full selection of players to sort of play if when we've got that sort of obviously Porro and Udoji along with Van der Ven, Romero, then when Benton calls back, Benton call playing with Madison, I'm pretty sure they've played a few minutes together if that. Um, Basuma, when he comes back to his best, um, along with Saar. Saar's, Saar's one of them players who's much, it, it very much at the moment, which is understandable because he's so young. It, his performance seems largely based on who he's playing with. He was very bad against Wolves, I think. Um, he wasn't good against Wolves in the game that we lost 2-1. And I think that was largely because of the, just the the people the, the people he was playing with. I just don't think he's great when he plays with Hoiberg. But I think if he played with, let's say, Benton, Cora, Madison, um, I think that would be a very, very different star that we'd see. And then, um, yeah, then with obviously, it's very much Bentoncourt that I think of the most at the moment because he just showed in the very small period of time he came back for how composed he is on the ball. And Hoiberg tries his best and Saar tries their best and Basuma is capable of that as well. But Bentoncourt is a real massive player for us. I think we just, we miss so much in games like that when it comes to just wanting to sort of kill the game to calm it down, to have a bit of possession in midfield. Because in games like that, it's just so end-to-end. And that's fine when you've got a full selection of defenders back there. But when you don't, it it looked like we were going to concede every single time they got the ball. Um, so that's the midway point of the season. And we're 19 games in, exactly halfway through the season. We've got 36 points. Uh, that's the fifth loss of the season. Um, we've won 11 games. We've implemented this complete new style of football, which the players and the fans are fully on board with. We've got a shitload of injuries. So I think more than anything, it's a time to be positive. And that last 15 minutes made me feel like that more than ever because I've been thinking about this a lot recently as well. We obviously, in this... 
instant gratification society that we live in, and especially that applies to football as much as anything else, we want instant results. We want to try and see what's going to happen straight away, but that's just not realistic football. And if you look at any manager at the moment that's had a long tenure at their club, who's been considered relatively successful or unbelievably successful, and I'm thinking, of course, of the Arsenal, Man City and Liverpool managers in Klopp, Pep and um, Mikel Arteta, they all started their tenures in shaky circumstances. I'm thinking, I mean, there's been a reference made to the, because obviously Pep went to Everton uh, yesterday and they won 3-1, but there's been a lot of references to his first season in charge at City where they went to Everton at the beginning of January in 2017 when he'd only been in the job for three or four months and they got beat 4-0 at Everton. That's obviously not something that would ever happen today, but that was a side that had a new manager who was implementing his ideas. They were all very fresh. There was a lot of players in that team that were either, obviously different to Spurs in the sense that they had already been successful in the past, but there were a lot there that he wouldn't have chosen to play for his team. Um, players like Gail Clichy at the time, Claudio Bravo in goal. Um, I think Dimakalis was still there, Otamendi, um, players like that who he just who he wouldn't have picked to play for his team, and he did, and they were there still, and it meant that certain games they were going to lose and get battered in. The same applies to Klopp. It took two years for two for the first two seasons. Um, of Klopp's tenure at Liverpool, they didn't even get into the Champions League. Um, they were finishing outside the top four. Pep, two eighth place finishes in his first two seasons at Arsenal. And I'd say in comparison to them, in terms of what the remit was, Postacoglu is more than likely ahead of where any of them were at this stage. So that's something that has to be taken into account. And I mean, you don't want to keep going on about the injuries, but the injuries to key players that we have and are miraculous, really, when you consider that Romero is out again now for another month, having only been back for sort of three or four games. It's not easy uh, for Postacoglu. And he's managed to, even though we've had all those injuries, to come through and put us in a relatively decent position in the league. And that's what other fans have said to me as well. We want to hang on results. And of course, we want the results to come straight away, but it's not all about that. And even what Ange says, yes, of course I want to win games, but what's important at the moment is that we accept this is the first season. You can't accelerate a process. You can't push it to go faster than you than it's gonna than it's gonna happen. There's other teams out there who are further ahead in their process, who are more established, who've got their styles of play and their players and the squad that their manager has sort of handpicked for them further down the line than we have. And you can't accelerate that. Even if you go out and buy and spend ridiculous money, it doesn't work like that. The team takes time to come together. And we've had one transfer window. We're playing, as I keep saying, with makeshift centre-backs, midfielders that probably wouldn't be starting games um, for Postacoglu. Midfielders, in a lot of cases, that he probably wouldn't sign for the club himself. Defenders, he wouldn't sign for the club himself. So... We are, although it seems like he's been here forever, his first Premier League game was in August and we're at the end of December. It's four months and it's not going to happen overnight, which means that along the road, there will be bumps where you lose games um, that you go into with a lot of hope of winning. 
And there will be other games like that this season, I imagine, as well. I mean, coming up, Bournemouth, on paper, when you see old Bournemouth at home, you think, oh, bank a home win. But anyone who watches football and anyone who has any idea of football has seen that Bournemouth are actually a force to be reckoned with all of a sudden. And I think they're the form team in the league right now, if I'm not mistaken, definitely in the last five games. They play great football. They won at Spurs last year, let's remember, with largely the same players. Um, and they've got a lot of confidence at the moment. And they'll have seen things tonight that will definitely give them confidence going into that game because we are susceptible defensively at the moment because we don't have any recognised centre-backs playing in our team. So <clears throat> it could happen again. But the thing that we have to keep remembering, as I said, is that it doesn't really matter as long as we are heading in the right direction and as long as the players are buying into what Ange wants to do, I have absolutely no doubt he is the one that's going to take us to some form of success. What that success looks like, we don't know yet. Um, but I keep thinking that our first 11, if it had stayed fit, would wipe the floor with this league. And I still mean it. We were beating everyone because at that time, our first 11 was as good as anyone's. Um, and I still feel like that. And the January windows come in. You'd hope that games like today will make it even more of an urgency to get a centre-back in early doors in the January window. And by the sounds of things, it feels like that is going to be taken seriously. I know a lot of people want to bite Daniel's head, leave his head off before the January windows even started. But I do believe that we are trying very, very hard, maybe more so than we would do typically because we have an injury crisis. And because even... I mean, even though we're all sort of looking forward to Van der Ven and, and Romero coming back, we're one in one injury or two injuries away once they are back from being back in this exact same position again, because there's nothing to say that they're not going to get injured or suspended again, because you can't just have two centre-backs at the end of the day. And that's all we have. So we definitely need to buy one or, or even two centre-backs in the January transfer window so we don't keep having this problem because it's 100% cost us. Not to say that Brighton didn't play brilliant football today, but if we had a even a record, even if it wasn't Romero and Van der Ven, recognise actual centre backs at the back the way that Brighton have Lewis Dunk, then it could have been a different outcome today. We would maybe have not conceded the goals that we conceded. We may not have conceded the chances that we conceded, and that is to go on to Lewis Dunk actually because a uh, great defender he really is. Um, it's amazing to think that he's, he feels like he's been around forever and he's developed himself into a Premier League centre-back, but he should have been sent off. There is absolutely no doubt. And that challenge on Kulisevsky is uh, so similar to the Romero one against Enzo Fernandez. It's ridiculous how that's not been taken to VAR the same way as the exact referee, the Aussie, Jared Gillett, who you almost feel like he's going out of his way to give decisions against us because he doesn't want to be seen as biased towards Ange, because he's obviously given a red card to Basuma uh, through the VAR two weeks ago. Um, that's, I mean, it's ridiculous that he hasn't been sent off there. And then, I mean, obviously you may say, oh, it wouldn't have made much difference to the game. It would have, because we go and score a goal straight from that. And then we end up getting another one. And then the last 14 minutes of that game with no big Lewis Dunk in there to head the ball away becomes very, very different all of a sudden. So these moments matter. And if we hadn't been fucked over it by fucked over by it 
so many times ourselves this season, maybe it wouldn't matter so much to me, but it, it matters because we've been, yeah, we've been done over by referees. I feel a few times this season, we've got quite a lot of red cards and f- when it happens to us for the same treatment, not to be given to the opposition, obviously makes you feel a little bit shit about it. Not going to hang on to it for too long, but that was obviously frustrating. And in general, we just, I don't think we've had the rub of the green this season. Uh, we had a few penalty shouts ourselves. Brighton obviously have ended up winning the game because of their two penalties that they've scored, um, which is more than we've had all season in the league. And I saw the stat that Chow Pedro has now scored eight penalties in the league this season. We've had one penalty all season. And I'm sorry, with all the attacking we're doing and all the time we spend in the opposition box, it's baffling that we've had one penalty all season and Brighton had two in this game. Um, so, yeah, I don't feel, I feel like we're, we're kind of, we've never had this before, not in my memory, but I really feel like we've got almost a reputation with refs because of the amount of red cards we've had and because we've got players who are sort of maybe considered dirty like Romero or Bissouma. And because of the Liverpool game, obviously, where there was this big uproar about the way that things went um, with that disallowed goal for offside and then the red cards and all that. It just feels like we're not getting decisions. It's, it can often feel like that, of course. And there's, it's not, I'm not saying it's conspiracy or anything else, but it definitely does feel like that. Uh, but yeah, we've lost the game. It could have felt a lot worse, but I do feel, like I said, very, very different about it because of the way that we finished it. And it just shows more than anything that we've got character in the team and they're, they're not going to just drop their heads as they've often done over the years when they when they face some adversity. They've got a backbone. They weren't going to give up. They weren't going to go out and lose 4-0. They were going to give everything to at least make the scoreline look respect, respectable. And they nearly went and made a miracle happen um, if things had just worked a little bit more in our favour. Uh, so we go into Bournemouth. Like I said, that's a dodgy game. You'd hope we bounce back from it. And we're more than capable of wiping the floor with Bournemouth, but they are a dangerous team. And players like Dominic Solanke, who I thought was a dead centre-forward who hadn't who'd scored one goal in like three years, has turned out to be sort of transformed by Areola. So who knows what might happen when they, um, when they come. We've then got the FA Cup on the Friday night on the 5th, but... Although we want to see our team play as often as possible, January's coming at the right time because there's only two league games, the United game away on the 14th and um, and then the Brentford game at the very end of the month. So that's come at the right time, really, because it hopefully gives some time for definitely Van der Ven by the sounds of it and uh, Madison and Benton Core to come back into the side. And obviously, what I haven't mentioned is that we are going to be without, well, without Basuma anyway, because he's suspended, but without Saar and Son, from um, after the the Bournemouth game. So it doesn't get any easier, does it? Fuck me. Um, Hopefully we'll make a few signings in the the January window. Like I said, defenders needed. I think we could probably do with another attacker as well. Um, But if we don't get an attacker, Richarlison is looking like a really good player at the moment. Even though he didn't score today, he obviously had two decent finishes when he was offside. He hit the post with a really good shot. And even the one that he put wide, he sort of took it relatively well, I think, and was unlucky not to score. So he's coming into some form. Valise will obviously be his backup now. Um, 
if when Sun goes for the month. And that's come at the perfect time, his goal, because he'll definitely get some confidence from that. And he put his head in there. He got around. He's he's a little bit messy. But, I mean, it, like I said, for him to score a goal, that's going to make a massive difference to his confidence going into the to these games. But it is very helpful that we've only got a couple of Premier League games that may be affected by the amount of injuries and suspensions we've got. Um, anyway, I will record another one of these after the Bournemouth game. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Good to do one of these again. Speak to you soon.